Hello and welcome to Seducing Aliveness with Jen Halterman and my host, Tamara Yonker. I am Jen and it's nice to have you here. Welcome to the show. If you're listening live, the chat room is open and you can come over there and interact with us and other listeners as the topic and conversation unfolds here. And if you're listening online and you would like to be on the phone line so that you can go about doing what you're doing, the number to call in on is 657-383-0531. And there's lots of phone lines you can fill up and go about what you're doing. (laughs) And today we are going to be talking about the seductive invitation of authenticity. And the most exciting part of this particular topic is the fact that my wonderful co-host Tamara told me she used to really not like the word authenticity. So we're going to start right there. Tamara, tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, I had a charge on it. It really triggered me, and I and I think there's probably multiple reasons for that. But number one, it was like the uh, trendy word for a while. It was like authenticity this and authenticity that. And I was like, yep. screw you and your authenticity. Like, I just hear it too much. It was too trendy, you know, and I think that was my initial ir- irritation <laughs> But then I had to look underneath that. Like, what is underneath all of that? Um, Just kind of like irritation with the word authenticity. And part of it was I I would see people – like buying into their, like telling themselves stories, telling them, we talked about this before, like telling yourself a story, buying into the lie, and then living at the effect of the lie. And I was like, what's authentic about that? (laughs) So so that really kind of um, was another reason why I didn't like it. And I think ultimately underneath that even was uh, at the time, uh, not being fully aware that I wasn't living authentically. And what do I mean by that? Like, we've been talking about the topic of intimacy. We are uh, doing a series on that. And to me, intimacy and authenticity now kind of go hand in hand. So if you're not, if you haven't really cultivated a uh, a space of intimacy with yourself, then you are likely buying into a lot of the stories that you told yourself, which mostly are bullshit. And so, you know, at the time that I the word authenticity was triggering me, I was also still under the spell of many of the conclusions and lies that I had been telling myself throughout my life. Um, and it, I, I think part of it felt like this authenticity thing was almost out of reach. Like, how does even someone become authentic? Like, what is that even? And it was as I explored intimacy and really deliberately cultivated that with myself, I started to become aware. I was like, oh, now I'm starting to get what this whole authenticity thing is. And really, it's now I could speak of it as saying uh, living as the sovereign of my reality. In other words, I'm not allowing anyone else to define me. I'm not allowing anyone else's point of view to uh, be greater than mine. I'm not allowing anybody's judgments of me or potential judgments of me to derail what I be, do, or choose. Um, So to me, that authenticity is really only possible. The kind of authenticity that I'm talking about is really only possible when you've cultivated an intimate relationship with yourself. And you have a, a north star that you are allowing to guide your life that is undeniable, irrefutable, and allows you to be unstoppable in the pursuit of your joy, your aliveness, your dreams, what turns you on. That's the quick answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that, and I love how it unfolded. Like, well, this is what's irritating me, and then you look under it, and then this is what's irritating me, and you look under it, and this is what's irritating you, and you look under it, and and it all led back to, it is a North Star. It is that self-awareness. It's that um, intimacy with yourself. It's knowing yourself. It's, it's being in complete communion with your aliveness, which you come to recognize is all about you and not according to anybody else. And all of that, that to me is like following the breadcrumbs of discovering what is under something that's irritating us. So thank you for showing the layers, because when I talk about breadcrumbs, 
the feedback from listeners is, I don't know how to follow the breadcrumbs because as soon as I find a breadcrumb, I stop and think that's the answer. So mm. for those of you who are listening, if you've had that question, that was just a perfect demonstration of the very thing that that you can do. You can keep exploring, keep digging. I personally am an etymology freak. I love the meaning of words. I love it looking at the root of them. I love um, all of that. And so when I thought about, okay, so authentic, and I looked at going all the way back, because I looked at now, what do I think of authenticity? And I thought, yeah, if I go back in my journals, my beginning relationship with authenticity is so different than what it is now. Because if I go to the etymology, it's one acting on one's own authority. And as I shared on other shows, for myself, reclaiming my personal authority was a huge process for me because I was, I was kind of nurtured in an environment of I was not my own authority. There was a, a religious authority. There was all of that, and so I was not my own authority. So that is what got me chasing breadcrumbs of wait a minute, one acting on one's own authority, I can't be authentic. Like, I'm not authentic. You know, when I have to check in to see what brand of, you know, toilet paper my family uses so that I know what to buy when I leave the house, that's me really not saying, but do I like that toilet paper? (laughs) Does it feel good on my butt? Are there other choices? And I, I remember I was raised in Utah, and so there is a, um, I don't know, mountain region brand of Western family. It goes along with the associated food group. And so you, you go to the store, and Western family is in every store that is through that associated food group. And we had a neighborhood grocery store that I worked at. It was my first job, and they carried everything Western family. And so for me, Western family was the thing. I mean, it had the word family and it. it had to be good, right? <laughs> that was my naive thinking. Well, then you pick me up at 19 and I, well, I turned 19 on my honeymoon and transplant me in Southern California being a military wife and I go to, you know, the commissary and I go to the big name brand grocery stores in California and I'm looking around. I'm not my own authority. By I, None. Because do you know what? I'm looking for Western family brand, and I don't know what to buy if it's not Western family brand. Because I did not have my own authority of, do I like something? What about it do I like? And if I don't have that brand of something, simple grocery shopping, what about that? What qualities am I looking for in a different brand of that thing? And for myself, that was huge as a baby at 19 years old. That was a huge experience for me and so scary. And I actually remember taking our little truck, my husband and I at the time, and going to visit family and literally doing case lot shopping in Utah so I could take back the brand I knew. Not that the other brands weren't fabulous, but it was familiar. And it wasn't until I really owned my own authority of, wow, what is it about this I like? And are there other brands open to me that I started realizing I didn't have to mimic or copy what worked for my family? And that was the beginning of stepping into a little teeny bit of my own authority. And so And when I think about being authentic and I think, okay, so I'm sincere and I'm consistently me and all that stuff, if I don't know what that is or I don't even realize that I'm just copying my mother or my dad or, you know, my siblings, I don't know I'm not authentically me. I don't realize I'm just a copy. Yeah. Um, Because I can choose to to like what they like, (laughs) but the truth is, until I choose to like what they like, I'm just copying them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I don't think we realize how much we do that. And and the yeah, but that I can hear is like, but isn't that selfish? Like, <laughs> who, who yeah. do you think you are that you can actually choose for you? Like, th- this whole, the audacity that you 
would actually go out and explore and discover what creates the most joyful living for you rather than just agreeing with the clan, agreeing with the group, agreeing with, you know, like this is the way we do things. This is what we, this is what we eat. This is what we, this is how we entertain ourselves. This is like this whole idea that there's something that you should be choosing to demonstrate that you fit in well with the group rather than having the audacity to go choose something as an individual that that is different from and doesn't validate the group. How dare you? How about that for you? Right? <laughs> oh, that's so good. And that whole doesn't validate the group, like, mm-hmm. isn't that a betrayal of the family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my shock mm-hmm. <laughs> because that was my biggest fear. The biggest fear was don't want to upset the core family. How dare I do that by picking different toilet paper? <laughs> that just, that cracked my shit up. No pun intended, but it happened. And this is why I love this topic of authenticity and, and getting to the core of it being about your authority, yours. Mm, I love that. I love that. I had a uh, domineering father who basically was, my opinion is right and yours is uh, unimportant and I really don't want to hear about it and keep it to yourself. Um, So, like, he basically wanted clones of himself in order to have his identity validated. We all had to align and agree with everything that came out of his mouth. And frankly, I thought most of what came out of his mouth was horseshit. And but I wasn't allowed to say that because you know that that just was not allowed, literally not allowed. So yep. interestingly enough, after I you know left high school in my freshman year in, in college, I was taking a literature class of some kind, and we had to write you know read books, write papers, whatever. And I remember uh, getting a paperback that I had written, and I got a D. And I was like a D. I don't think I've ever gotten a D in my whole life. What the hell? And the professor wanted to speak to me about it. And so I, I, I went to him and he said, he said, you know, your grammar is like perfect and your, you know, sentence structure and like all of that kind of uh, very technical writing stuff is like top of the class. However, I don't hear your voice in this. And I really want to hear your voice. And that's why you got a D. And I looked at him and I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Honest to God, I did not, here I am, 17 years old, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Hear my voice. And I just, I probably just stood there with the most blank look on my face, because I remember walking away and being dumbfounded. Like, I don't know how not to get a D, because I don't know what he's talking about. My voice? What? Right. Literally, no idea. That's how much my authenticity was squashed. Uh, was not encouraged, was not like, you know, I don't know. I, I think people that, that uh, bring out our uniqueness and individuality are a gift in our life. Somebody who says, hey, I want to know about, I want to know about who you are. Like, let's, let's tease that out of you. Let's seduce that out of your unique, your unique uh, authenticity. And then there are people who are like, nope, you must conform. And I have always been a rebel against conformity, but not understanding even why. That's the interesting thing, is I was such a rebel against conformity. So so here I go, you know, four years at college. That was my freshman year, that experience. And by the time I got to my senior year, so four years later, and I was graduating, I was so... I was such a rebel of conformity, I couldn't, like, it would give me the heebie-jeebies. So there was something that was starting to emerge at that point. It was probably my own authenticity, like, banging to get, to be let free and let loose and be expressed. Um, but what I did at that time was I pointed the finger at everybody else, and I looked at all the, the people in on the Boulder campus where I was going to school, and I was like, oh, my God, the conformity is just so disgusting like everybody talks the same and walks the same and dresses the same and thinks the same I gotta get out of here but I was pointing (laughs) the finger outside not recognizing I was doing the exact same thing I had not discovered yet who I was I had not yet developed my own authority it took practically a lifetime to do that I would say that's really only come online in the last three years 
where I'm really like, oh, I get to choose. I don't have to go along to get along. I think that's what most people do. They're like, well, I'm going to go along to get along. And they think that, you know, again, it's it's selfish if you choose something for yourself, if you start, you know, taking a detour off the conformity path. And you start saying, you know what, I, I get that, you know, like that's what you guys dig and that's your thing and that's what you want to believe, but I'm going this way. That takes a lot of courage in today's, I mean, conformity is the, um, that's what is expected at this point. Yeah, it really is. And, and I, yeah, this is where I'm going. So what I noticed is, and this is why I had a it about authenticity or any other trendy, you know, catchy word, okay, especially in the consciousness community, is what I noticed is when somebody would get that, like maybe they did discover their authenticity, okay, they get super fired up about it, they are realizing they can be their own authority, and they are so excited about it that they go around beating the shit out of everybody, oh. inflicting the authenticity on everybody. <laughs> Telling them, you have to be authentic. You're so not authentic. You don't even know what true authenticity is. You would know if you were me because I have discovered it. And it becomes this, this gross infliction of what we have realized on everybody around us. And then the flip side is the humor of, you know, maybe you discover, I don't know, a brand of food that you love or authenticity or whatever. You would discover it and you love it and you thoroughly enjoy it for you. And somebody else comes along and discovers it and you witness them becoming the battering ram trying to convince everybody of that thing that they've discovered while you've been enjoying it for years. And that to me is why the new trends get so wonky and, and become a, really a means of abuse where I'm going to inflict the new truth I have on you because it's better. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. everybody's so passionate about it, they go around inflicting it. Well, what we're talking about, and this is actually my favorite aspect of this show, is the seductive invitation. Not the battering ram, not the infliction mm-hmm. of, the seductive invitation of authenticity. <laughs> because if you are living authenticity and you do not feel you have to inflict it or convince anybody of it, you are a seductive invitation to it. And that to me is the difference I am lit up and turned on about. Mm-hmm. That that really is the primary difference because I would say that um, you know go reverse rewind to 18 years ago when I started uh, I did the big the big change in my life wiped the slate clean and was like okay I'm changing everything literally everything and um, I started discovering new things that I had never ever ever heard about before I was reading books mm-hmm. that were blowing my mind. And I was like, oh, my God, this stuff is so amazing. And I literally would go around, and I had decided that because it was so great for me, you know, like I, I was like, wow, this is really changing my life. This is opening doors to possibility. This is so amazing. I had decided that because it was such a gift and contribution to me, that therefore it must also be a gift and contribution to everyone else. And I started, like, buying books and giving them to people. and like, you have to read this. And I, would, and I became like this lecturer. I started deciding for everybody else what was going to be a gift and contribution in their life. I had become the authority for them, and I, I really did that. And, and I look back at it now, and it's hilarious. But I, at the time, it was like authority, that was like the responsibility of authority. When you found something that was good, you must inflict it on others. Like literally, like that's what authorities did is they inflicted good stuff onto everybody else. <laughs> so I got over that, thankfully, um, fairly quickly. And now I get that what you're talking about, that seductiveness, is just by living it. I mean, literally, I, I posted something on my Facebook page um, this morning um, that said, when someone is not open to receiving the abundance of life, it is not your job to convince them that possibility is real. 
And somebody who had taken a class with me like five years ago said um, she, her comment on my post was never underestimate a seed being planted, though. And I said, oh, yes, I'm all for planting seeds. It's the attempt to convince that is likely futile. And she said, you're right, the attempt, it's the attempt to convince. The person, and she commented, she said, I'm a proud recipient of someone planting a seed in me many years ago. So, like, that's the difference. By then, I was living. I was the living example of what turned me on and lit me up. I was not trying to convince anybody. So here I am facilitating classes, and I'm like, you know, take this or leave this. Don't don't make me right. your authority. I'm here to just invite you to a different possibility, but don't don't trade one authority for another. Don't make you know, the authority that you used to make greater than you and, and now supplant that for me. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. I'm simply living something that is joyful for me, and if that is an invitation and a contribution to you, then woohoo! And if it's not, you know, I'm not. I will not be offended. I will not be offended because because I can't possibly know what's true for you. There's absolutely no way. I don't know what you know. I know what I know. So I couldn't tell you what's true for you, but I can be an invitation to a possibility that per, per, perhaps has never occurred to you. Absolutely. Wow. You know, you and I have both talked about being raised in environments with different aspects, different influences, where there was a belief that there was that person's point of view was the right way. And when we speak of that, we say, yeah, it was, it was absolutely inflicted. Like there was no other option. It what you did do this. Well, it's really easy to say that when somebody inflicts something that's bad for you on you, that it is abuse. Okay, it's really easy to say that. However, what I would like to add is, even if it's good, good for you, even if it might be good for them, inflicting good on somebody else is also abuse. So, if you find yourself wanting to convince somebody and save them, that's a breadcrumb right there for you to go, Whoop. I'm really thinking that I'm going to save this person. Hold on. Excuse me. No mind. You know, delete what I just said to you. I'm going to cross the cross now and go have a look with myself. Like, what is that? Because we can invite, we can share, we can live it, whatever. But if you think think you have to inflict it, you already have left yourself. You're in their lane, you're up their butt, and you've decided that you have their answers. Mm, no superiority there, is there? <laughs> None. No superiority. You know, and it's and it's funny because we do sort of live in this environment, this culture, this society that 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 very clearly labels things as superior and inferior. And I know that for me, the example that I just shared, like my my father made him the superior, he was in the superior position, and the rest of us were all inferior. So part of what made me feel like I had to go out and inflict all this good on other people was because I thought I had found something that was superior, and I was so excited. I was like, yay, I get to be in the superior position. And what superior people do is they inflict all the good on everyone else that they've made inferior. I was literally like buying into that whole, I mean, it's hilarious, right? It's hilarious. I was buying into that whole superior, inferior, like the superior people are supposed to. It's our job to go out and, and help those who are inferior. And that I now know is just simply not true. Like, what if we actually can be allowance of what people are choosing, even if we can see them headed for a train wreck, right? Like, I think that's yeah. one of the hardest, you know, if you want to call it a lesson, I'm not a big fan of that word, but one of the hardest things for me to really get was it's not my job to save people. Even if you can see with total clarity that that person is headed right over the cliff, and you're like, oh, no, yep. good can have, no good can come from that. It is not my job to swoop in and save them from their stupidity. Like that is so – that is me really deciding for them what they should be, do, and choose. And I tell you what, the thing that I really get 
out of all of that is that in order for me to take that superior position, I have to buy into the lie that they are incapable. They are incapable of directing their lives. And now that I get, I'm like, oh, that is, that is something that I never, that is a message I never want to send anyone, is that they are incapable of it in any way. My desire is to uplift. My desire is to elevate. My desire is to empower. And when I send a message to somebody like, I need to swoop and save you because you're incapable of handling your own life, then I am absolutely acting in opposition to the desire that I have to create in the world and the energy I want to be in the world. <clears throat> oh, that is so good and so true. And I am, I'm really thankful that we both followed the show and at where it led us because what I, what I'm just having this gentle awareness is how, for how long I didn't know that I was being an asshole. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Ken, you're such a bitch, was true. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. And I I tell you what, I've got a a story that I will share because I think it's uh, poignant. Um, I really like this, this whole idea that there, the authority always tells everyone else what to do. I was just mimicking my father, frankly, this was my dad. He was the authority. He was the superior position. He told all of us what to do all the time. And I tell you, there's not a single person in my family that appreciated that. We all hated it. Nobody liked being told what to do. And then I turned into him. And I would, I was, right. I was being him because he was the, he was the powerful one in our family, and I wanted to emulate the powerful one. I wanted to be powerful myself, so I just started being just like him. I mean, talk about being an asshole. So, so what I yeah. would do is I would look at my younger sister's life, and she was the one who was like, "Oh yeah, train wreck waiting to happen. Train wreck waiting to happen. You are so <laughs> off course. You, this is all. You are making really bad choices." And to the point where my mother and I would talk about it. Like, we would get on the phone and we'd be like, oh, my God, can you believe she's blah, 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 blah. And this was, like, one of our favorite pastimes was to talk about how wrong my sister was doing in her life. And uh, she got pregnant. My sister got Mm -hmm. pregnant. It wasn't planned. And I tell you, that was, like, the catalyst for my mother and I to be like, well, it's one thing if you're going to fuck up your own life. But if you're going to fuck up a kid's life, then, you know, something has to be done. And we took it right. upon ourselves to do like an like a what do they call those a uh, in um, uh, intervention intervention thank you to do like an intervention <laughs> we literally sat down we sat my sister down and she was with her her fiance at the time she was married or she was they were getting married when she got pregnant um, and we sat her down and we did this intervention like we gave her every possible judgment we could possibly think of about how she was living her life so wrong, and she better straighten up before she brought that child into the world. And, I mean, it was was not pretty. And her fiancé at the time, I think, had enough um, presence of mind to be like, okay, I think y'all need to leave now. You know, it was like, or just shut up or whatever. Like, I don't remember the specifics because this was a long time ago. This was like 18 years ago, I think, or so. And, um, and, and, and you're just like, well, you know, we can't be held responsible for how, how, when you, you know, when everything goes to the shitter, like, like that kind of attitude, like that's where my mother and I were coming from. And I'll tell you what that created. I'll tell you exactly yeah. what that created. The judgment that we inflicted upon my sister created a chasm, a chasm between us of separation that it took me years, years to get over. And it wasn't, it wasn't intended. It's not what I meant to create. And I don't think anyone, when they judge to that degree, that they think they have to save somebody else from themselves. I don't think anybody intends to create that separation, but that's what occurs. We think we're doing good. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you save you from yourself. And we create separation. It took a very, very, very long time. And I, frankly, I'm not sure that that separation isn't fully, 18 years later, fully healed. 
Yeah. That is not yeah. what I want to be in the world. And now I know. Now I didn't know then, right? Like <laughs> I was being an asshole, a huge asshole, yeah. simply because I was modeling something I didn't know any different. And thank goodness yeah. I now know that there is a different possibility and being an allowance of what somebody's choosing, even if you think it's the worst thing they could ever choose, is the greatest kindness that we could actually be for them and ourselves. Right. Well, and and thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing the vulnerability of that because that experience that you just shared is the invitation. And as my phone is buzzing because somebody listening heard you and felt you and because you revealed that, understanding can go out. And so thank you for doing that. That is vulnerable to share. And I sincerely thank you for that. Um, you know, I had an experience not too long ago, and oh, the, and this is, a, this is another one of those things where somebody was choosing into a relationship that was, that was, that was, the catalyst for them to cut people off, to put up barriers because they knew that the people they were putting up those walls and barriers probably would have a judgment about what was going on inside the relationship. And so, you know, to keep peace inside the relationship, we got to cut out everybody that's not going to buy into the lie of the relationship, okay? And I was one of those people that there was a lot of distance, and I just kept loving the person. And, yeah, I, you know, that's the relationship they were choosing, and I kept loving the person. That's, that's what they were choosing. Well, then things changed. And the lie of the relationship started to unravel. And, and, the, and there was a conversation that came about where it was – the person came to me and said, I am so sorry for what I've chosen, and I'm so sorry, and I know it affected you, and on and on. And what I experienced was I didn't feel they owed me anything. I appreciated their acknowledgement, but they actually didn't owe me anything because what they were choosing didn't change whether I loved them or not. My, my love for them was not based on whether or not they did what I thought they should do or not. It had nothing to do with that. My, my appreciation and care and allowance and love for them was based on that I have that for them, not what they're doing with their life. And what I realized was when I was consistently just being my authentic self, no matter what they did, they knew where I was because I was being me. No matter if they were being them or they were being a shadow of themselves or they were being, you know, some crazy depiction of a parent, it didn't matter. I was being me. And what I see and what I, what I, when I hear the pain and the angst of those situations when we quit being ourselves, that, that pure love, that true allowance for somebody, we leave ourselves. And part of that chasm that is created is not because they went away. It's because we also are going away. And so for those who are listening, if you are noticing there is a space between, it's understandable to go and see that, yes, maybe they have left, but don't focus on them. Check yourself. Would they know where to find you if they looked back? to see where you are, or have you left yourself as well? Because it's so easy when there is a chasm to say they left, they went off deep end, they put up a wall, and to focus on how do I get them back. But let me tell you from personal experience, me staying me, being me, means that it doesn't matter if it is my son coming out of his addiction to heroin it doesn't matter if it's my daughter after having a tantrum. It doesn't matter if it's a sister. It doesn't matter if it's a friend. If they return to themselves and they look up to see where I am, the power and the seduction of authenticity is they know exactly where to find me. They know exactly who I am because I am choosing to be authentic, not based on how they're living or where they are. 
And that is the invitation. That is such a beautiful follow-up to what I shared. Thank you so much. What I realize is that when I was being the asshole that, you know, (laughs) judged my sister so harshly 18 years ago, I wasn't being me. The chasm that occurred between she and I was simply a byproduct of the chasm that already was there between myself, my, my authentic self. Like, I was just copying my father, right? I thought that was the right thing to do. I had abandoned myself long before that day, and I was trying to be something that was not authentic to me. I was trying to, you know, be some powerful figure, and, I, and I, the only role model I had for that was my father, and so I was just copying him. And so I had already this enormous chasm in myself that was separate from me, from myself, from my, my, I had no intimacy then at that time, none, zero, nada. I had no intimacy with myself. I didn't know who I was. I mean, I, I told you before that, I was like, what do you mean uh, share my voice? I don't even know what that is. So I was so busy just duplicating and mimicking and copying everybody else, thinking that was the right way to do this thing called life. I was like, I'm I'm totally lost here. I don't get this place. I'm confused. So I was like, okay, looks like you got a way to figure it out. Like, looks looks like you kind of, you know, are making your way in the world fairly well. So I was just copying everybody else. And it was in the time after that uh, that I started to discover what it was to be my own authority and to, dis- you know, develop that into me with myself. It was a long journey. It was a long journey. And the thing is, when I had real, when I finally realized what I, what I, what I did, like what that created between my sister and I, 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 I started off with feeling some guilt and going, "Oh my God, what have I done?" Mm-hmm. And then, and then I was like, you know, now I could, I could backpedal and I could make myself really wrong and I could be like, "Oh my God, I have to go fix that. I have to go fix that. I have to go fix that." But somehow that didn't feel authentic either. And interestingly enough, what I have chosen. <laughs> What I've chosen in the years since is not to, to to go back and try and fix it and fix it and fix it and make it better. You know, what I have chosen is to be my authentic self. Just be it. Just be it. Be that as a beacon of possibility for others. And um, my sister now comes to me occasionally and, you know, will will she sees that I'm living something that is, uh, not common. And so she, that, that is bringing her closer to me. Like that is what's repairing the, the, the chasm, not because I'm going back to be like, Oh, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I have to go fix it. I was so wrong. Blah, 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 blah. It's because I was like, Oh wow. Okay. I fucked up. Yep. I fucked up. And I'm going to, I'm going to be what I know will create a difference in the world, not just with her, but with everybody. And so she has made her choice to to be drawn back into um, relationship with me. Not because I made her, not because I was like, oh my God, I did that, now I have to make you be in relationship with me again. No, I have been something that has been an invitation to her and, she, and total allowance for her to choose it or not choose it. And she's been right. choosing back into it, you know, slowly over time. And I think that we have a, you know, what you might call a strong bond or something now. Um, but because I, I, I was in total allowance, I was like, you know what? If if you want to hold on to the point of view that I'm a total asshole, that's your prerogative. Like I'm actually going to allow you to do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to try and make you think differently of me because now I do. <laughs> if that makes sense, I hope. Yep. It, it so does. And, and you bring up a great point. With any time we're trying to prove anything, we are not authentic. Mm-hmm. We're not being exactly. us. It is in mm-hmm. being our authentic selves, our aliveness, our essence that we are inviting. That's when we are the invitation. That is what is so seductive. And when we get into this space of, realizing in order to be an invitation, we must be our own authority. We must have our own knowing, our own awareness. We've got to know how we like our eggs, not how everybody at the table seems to be getting this time, this type of eggs I'm going to copy. Like 
it's such a basic example, but it shows so much. You know, I it's okay that I do things differently. It doesn't matter that my mother uses Miracle Whip to make tuna fish and I use mayonnaise. When I go see my mother and she serves me Miracle Whip tuna fish sandwich, I have nostalgia and appreciation. I'm not lecturing her about how she should use mayonnaise because I do. Instead, I get to experience her authentic expression. And it's when we're in that that invitation, we're in allowance, we are just being in what it is that's available, that I can say thank you so much and mean it. Because I'm not, again, basing my worth and value on it. It it has nothing to do with that. It's just what Mm. is it that's true for me? What's true for me in this moment? And taking action on that, which is a whole other can of worms, and we're not going to open that, but we've got to know ourselves first. We... We, it's really nice to think that I can not have any clue who I am and have no idea of what I would choose for myself and, and even pretend to think that you showing up in relationship or in another dynamic is suddenly magically authentic. It, it actually is not. It cannot be unless you bring your authenticity with you. And if you don't know who you are, it's not possible. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the the biggest obstructions to authenticity is what is decided upon as right and wrong and good and bad. Because if you have a uh, an idea in your head of what uh, it is to be a good wife, a good mother, a good teacher, a good neighbor, a good uh, community member a good uh, father, if you've decided, oh, this is what I must do to demonstrate that I'm a good whatever, then you will constantly be trying to prove that you are that thing. And proving is one of the most prominent energies that people are doing today. They're they're mm-hmm. trying to prove something. If If you, you know, like there is no right way to be a mother. There is no right way to be a friend. There is no right way to be a, a wife. There is no right way. There's no right way to do anything. So it's the willingness to go, well, what feels, what feels most alive for me? How do I know when I'm being yeah. me? I mean, I did a lot of this for a long time about, no, I was like, oh, God, I'm just such a shitty friend. Because I'm not one of those people who, you know, will buy gifts and, like, make a big fuss. And, and I don't know, like, I don't call people regularly. I'm kind of, <laughs> like, I had in my mind that, like, this is what good friends do. And I was like, and I would compare myself. And I'd be like, I'm, I don't do that. So that must mean I'm a shitty friend. Except I didn't necessarily try and prove I was a good friend. I just sat in the, you know, sort of like, oh, well, I guess I'm just a shitty friend. So you might be doing that, you know, you might have just sort of resigned yourself to like, well, I guess I'm just a shitty, shitty father, I guess I'm just a shitty, you might be in resignation, or you might be on the other end of that spectrum, which is like, I gotta prove, I gotta prove, I gotta prove, I gotta prove, I gotta prove that I'm good at at whatever. That's not authentic. Mm -hmm. So everywhere you have uh, uh, attached, uh, you know, this very rigid, and, and the thing is, you ask people, what's a good mom? What's a good wife? What's a good... People are going to give you different answers. So yeah. whose who's, uh, definition are you trying to live up to? Whose definition are you trying to live up to? If you're trying to live up to mm. anybody's de- definition, you're trying to prove something that's not authentic to you. Now, you may still choose to do some of the things that you've associated with, you know, good wife, mom, teacher, mother, whatever, but there's a difference in it being a choice there's no proving energy in choice. There's a difference in it being in choice because then you can be like, oh, yeah, I totally, I I desire to do this as opposed to I think I must, so I have to. It's when you abandon yourself and your own choice in order to prove something to others that the authenticity evaporates. It's gone. Mm. Yep. The why underneath what you're doing is where authenticity is found or the absence of it is revealed. Mm. The why underneath whatever it is you're doing. So true. 
because people want you to look at what they're doing. Look at all I do for you. Well, you're doing it because you want me to climb up your ass. No, that doesn't feel good. You know, I don't care if you make my favorite meal. If it's all so that I will, you know, worship you and praise you, that's gross. Stop it. I don't want to eat that. Don't make that into a meal. Like, there is a huge difference in knowing what your why is. And your authenticity changes your why to make everything you do authentic. So when you're being your authenticity, when you're being your aliveness, and that is what is the why underneath every single action you do, then everything you do is an invitation of, it's an engagement with that. But if your why is I'm mimicking my mother and you wonder why everything you do is pissing off your husband that has mother-in-law fighting going on, you might want to look at that. (laughs) It will reveal so much. (laughs) And so what is the why underneath that? You know, my wife and I, we've had some of the most, the funniest, I wouldn't even call them fights, but the funniest, like, dances of words, where it's like, but I did this. Uh-huh. And why did you do that? I don't want to talk about why I did it. I just did it. <laughs> you know? I want to focus on what I did. <laughs> It'll be like, no, I can't. Because your why stinks. <laughs> it smells like poo. It's revealing itself. And we will end up just laughing our way through it because we have, we really have a commitment. We have this, I don't know, this absolute agreement to like chase the breadcrumbs in our marriage and that is something we do regularly is well that looks really good but there's something about this what's underneath that and we go there and so within our relationship we have that but I'm telling you when we don't have it in ourselves if Sherry is wonky or I'm somewhere you know I've disconnected or unplugged it does not matter what we're doing it is evident in everything we do so remaining in, in that alignment or that authenticity of our aliveness is what reverberates through everything that we do. So, yes, it shows up in relationship, but, but no matter how much we want to fast forward to the relationship shows, you guys, I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to remind you, please start with you. Just, just yeah. do yourself just this one kindness and apply all of this to you not to anybody else. Yeah. And I I can, you know, the seductive nature of authenticity. What I what I know now is that uh you know, so about uh, I guess it was 6 years ago I decided to go back out dating after my divorce. And um by then I had cultivated, you know, quite a lot of uh, what I would intimacy with myself, authenticity, um, you know, there's always more, right? What else is possible? And what I would notice is as I was going out on dates, there were so many men, and this is not just true of men, this is, this is I find this with people, but there was so many men who just wanted to please me. And it was just like, <laughs> just tell me what I can do to please you. Just tell me what I can do to please you. Just tell me what I can do to please you. And I was like, ew! Like, that was not attractive to me at all. I was like, no, 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 no. Show me who you are. Show me what lights you up. Show me what turns you on. Show me what you are naturally enthusiastic about. That's what I want to know about you. That's what would make me attracted to you. But somebody who just wants to, like, figure me out so they can please me, I'm like, "Uh, no, there will be no second date. You know, like – I, I really get this this authenticity thing now that I'm not playing the game of um, because we use a lot of that all of that let me let me do this for you so that I can get something that I want from you. There's a game that is being played um, around the globe <laughs> that that is very much that I'll do the, do to get do to get do to get do to get and I and, and I'm like mm, nope no that is no longer a game I want to play. And so now, as I'm choosing to play in this realm, to be uh, intimate with myself, to be intimate with life, 
to uh, live this greater uh, authority, my own authenticity, that kind of thing. Those are the people I want to play with because when I play with people who know who they are, who know what they're about, who know what they're, who knows that they know what their why is in the world. They know what they want to create. Like that is so much fun rather than be a, being around people who are just like, well, what can I do for you so that you like me? What can I do for you so that you don't, you know, like, I'm just like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. And I, I was just sharing in chat room. I chose a whole relationship was based relationship. Did you hear that? Relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the best Freudian <laughs> Oh my god. I chose an entire relationship based on that. Oh, that is the best. Because <laughs> it was all shit. Yeah. yeah. And when I really laugh and look back on it, it's hysterical. I can't even I can't even see me there. Like <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna sit here and laugh, you talk. I I did that. I, I literally did that. When in my in my earlier relationships I was constantly altering me to make myself palatable to them because I was so terrified that if I didn't do that they would leave me. So so mm. so many people are operating in their relationships in that way. Who can I be for you so that you'll stay with me, so that you'll love me, so that you'll care for me? And today everything looks different. Today I'm fully like willing to be all of the uniqueness that I am and some of that looks a little crazy to a lot of people and I'm like, "You know what? I'm totally okay with that." And if that doesn't work for you, like I had a relationship um a couple years ago where the guy kept kind of subtly complaining about things in the relationship that weren't working. And I said, you know what? One day I said to him, I said, you know what? I don't think you like me very much. Like, this is who I am. And uh-huh. and what, the things that you're sort of complaining about, I'm like, you know what? I don't think we're very well suited. I think you would be better suited to somebody who who really was more into the things that you're into. I mean, I don't think we have to be all matchy-matchy and have all the same, you know, interests and so <laughs> forth. But I'm beginning to get the feeling that you just don't like who I am. And you know what? I'm not going to change that. And sure enough, he ended the relationship after a period of time, and I was okay. I was like, yeah. you know what? I, I now know that I have more fun being me. It is a fucking kick-ass time to be me. I'm having a good time. This is a party that I want to come to. And if you don't want to come to my party, that's okay. But I'm not going to alter myself to be more palatable to you so you won't leave. That was a 180-degree <laughs> difference from how I operated in relationship from when I was younger, when I was like, oh, my God, what do I need to change so you won't leave me? <laughs> I still up. remember my ex. Oh, I still remember one of my exes coming to me and saying, you know, this just, I, I don't like this, and I don't get your humor, and I, I don't want you telling jokes when I'm home because I, I don't get it. So I feel like everybody's laughing at me. And I can remember looking at her and busting out laughing because I knew and I was it was uncontrollable. Like I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just laughing. I was like, Oh, you're serious. <laughs> Hold on. You want me not to be funny. Hold on uh no humor allowed. Um Yeah, no this just isn't gonna work. <laughs> Time for me to go. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh man, there's so much in this topic and I love it. And we've got like six minutes left of the show. Oh, I, you know, feeling into this, I think we've rolled around in so much yumminess. I want to talk about why is it so inviting? Why is it so seductive when we're authentic? Because I will admit when I am in my aliveness and I am lit up, it is like moths to the flame. People are yep. just attracted. They may not even know why. They don't. It's just so rare, right? It's that somebody can be that comfortable in their own skin, that they're willing to be their own authority, that they're willing to be who they are, regardless of what anyone else's point of view might be. That is so mm-hmm. rare. It's so delicious that people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but I find myself drawn to you. It just is. And and I and what I now know is that cultivating my intimacy with myself 
is what is the very thing that allowed me to trust myself as my own authority. I had mm-hmm. to develop that trust, another element we're going to talk about in terms of intimacy. I had to develop yeah. that trust in myself in order to be my own authority and trust that, you know what, it's totally, it's totally cool to be my own authority. It's totally, that's what's going to create the most joyful life for me is to be willing to be my own authority. And as I got more and more comfortable with trusting me and being my own authority and feeling like, you know what, this is cool for me, that's cool for you, we're all good, like, I don't have to convince you of anything, you know, you, if you try and convince me of something, I don't have to go to battle with you, I can just, you know, I don't have to be impacted by any of that stuff, that is such a rarity on the planet that I think people can't help but be drawn to it. It's like people, they, they, they crave, they crave authenticity and intimacy and don't even know it. Oh. We live in yeah. a world with such automatonic operations and people doing, you know, proving all that proving energy that's rampant and all of that pleasing mm-hmm. and get approval. Like all of that stuff is rampant. So, so when somebody comes along and they're like, hey, I'm just happy being me. They're like, wow, how refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> how refreshing. Maybe we can be friends. We <laughs> can play together. You be you. I'll be me. It'll be a great time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh Look my goodness! I love this topic. I do too. Go ahead. And I just, you know, I'd like to invite people. What could it change in your life if you were willing to be your own authority? It would Ooh. be different. Yeah. Hmm. I yeah, wonder what would that be like. Oh, I wonder. Huh? Universe, show me. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. So good. And and what a great topic for tomorrow. We're diving in with that dance of allowance and vulnerability. Mm. Oh, that's yummy. You oh, guys. yeah. <laughs> oh, allowance, vulnerability with your authenticity and your aliveness. Like, give yourself today to get really curious about those breadcrumbs and and you know what, if you find an aha, it's okay to, like, enjoy it for a while. It's okay. Just don't stop there. <laughs> you know? Like, it's okay to chase other breadcrumbs or to look deeper. But it's also okay just to be in your awareness. Allow your awarenesses that come to gently love you and, and soothe all the rough edges. Don't, you know, because so it's so many people, like you were saying about your sister, you realize what you did and it would be so easy to go to the judgment and the shame and the guilt and the ah regret and da 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 da, da and then go down this you know horrible path of buying real estate in shame, buying real estate in you know regret, instead of being like, wow, I chose that. Look what it created, huh? Mhm, mhm. Wow, I really yeah. chose that, and I. And I do feel sorry that I chose that, and I chose it. So what can I choose today now? What can I choose today? Yeah. With this awareness on board, said. what can you choose? Buying real estate with regret. I just, I just, that, that just struck me when you said buy real estate in regret, like, and camp out there, like, and live there. I'm just going to live in regret. Every moment right. is an opportunity to change something. Yeah, and I, I and I have to say I'm pretty grateful to myself for not buying real estate in regret. I was just like, all right, where can I be that, that opens the space of possibility for this to change? Not because I'm going to force it to change, but because I know I trust I know and trust in possibility. So if I be a different energy, change is likely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, that you know, here we are. <laughs> Enough for today. Um, <laughs> thank you. I want to another really fun-filled sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It goes so fast, and I want to just acknowledge our listeners. We yeah. um, we have not been doing this for very long, and you know the chat room. People are joining the chat room when they can, and and people are listening, and there are messages being sent, and comments, and feedback, and. I I just really appreciate that. You know, I think Tamara and I would keep showing up even if nobody else did. We may not share it with the world, but we would still show up and have these conversations. 
But we're just having just too much knowing fun. that really helps. So thank you so much. And we will be back tomorrow. So thank you. Yeah. Join us again. Okay. All right.